You're listening to audio from Redeemer Anglican Church in the urban heart of Richmond, Virginia. We are a parish committed to gospel formation for missional presence through seven essential practices. Telling the biblical story, embracing a new identity in Jesus, finding belonging in the church community, cultivating virtue through redemptive habits, understanding our context in this current cultural moment, laboring in renewed vocations for the common good, and reordering our imaginations through beauty in the arts. To learn more about our church, visit RedeemerRVA.org. You may be seated for the reading of God's Word. We continue on in our psalm series for this summer, so we are looking to Psalm 68 this morning, which starts on page 481 of your pew Bible, 481. And as always, please take a Bible home with you after the service if you do not have one of your own. I'm going to be reading the whole psalm, so buckle up, settle in. And if it helps you to listen or to imagine the psalm, you can close your eyes and listen or read along in the text with me. God shall arise, his enemies shall be scattered, and those who hate him shall flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so you shall drive them away. As wax melts before fire, so the wicked shall perish before God. But the righteous shall be glad, they shall exult before God, they shall be jubilant with joy. Sing to God, sing praises to his name, lift up a song to him who rides through the deserts. His name is the Lord. Exalt before him. Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. God settles the solitary in a home. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a parched land. O God, when you went out before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, the earth quaked. The heavens poured down rain before God, the one of Sinai, before God, the God of Israel. Rain in abundance, O God, you shed abroad. You restored your inheritance as it languished. Your flock found a dwelling in it. In your goodness, O God, you provided for the needy. The Lord gives the word. The women who announce the news are a great host. The kings of the armies, they flee, they flee. The women at home divide the spoil, though you men lie among the sheepfolds. The wings of a dove covered with silver, its pinions with shimmering gold. When the Almighty scatters kings there, let snow fall on Zalman. O mountain of God, mountain of Bashan, O many-peaked mountain, mountain of Bashan, why do you look with hatred? O many-peaked mountain, at the mount that God desired for his abode, yes, where the Lord will dwell forever. The chariots of God are twice 10,000, thousands upon thousands. The Lord is among them, and Sinai is now in the sanctuary. You ascended on high, leading a host of captives in your train and receiving gifts among men, even among the rebellious, that the Lord God may dwell there. Blessed be the Lord, who daily bears us up. God is our salvation. Our God is a God of salvation. And to God, the Lord, belong deliverances from death. 
but God will strike the heads of his enemies, the hairy crown of him who walks in guilty ways. The Lord said, I will bring them back from Bashan. I will bring them back from the depths of the sea that you may strike your feet in their blood and that the tongues of your dogs may have their portion from the foe. Your procession is seen, O God, the procession of my God, my King, into the sanctuary. The singers in front, the musicians last, between them virgins playing tambourines. Bless God and the great congregation, the Lord, O you, who are of Israel's fountain. There is Benjamin, the least of them in the lead, the princes of Judah in their throng, the princes of Zebulun, the princes of Naphtali. Summon your power, O God, the power, O God, by which you have worked for us. Because of your temple at Jerusalem, kings shall bear gifts to you. Rebuke the beasts that dwell among the reeds, the herd of bulls with the calves of the peoples. Trample underfoot those who lust after tribute. Scatter the peoples who delight in war. Nobles shall come from Egypt. Cush shall hasten to stretch out her hands to God. O kingdoms of the earth, sing to God. Sing praises to the Lord, to him who rides in the heavens, the ancient heavens. Behold, he sends out his voice, his mighty voice. Ascribe power to God, whose majesty is over Israel and whose power is in the skies. Awesome is God from his sanctuary. The God of Israel, he is the one who gives power and strength to his people. Blessed be God. The word of the Lord. All rise for the gospel. This morning's reading is in John 11, verses 38 to 44, found on page 898. The holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted his, up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his feet wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Be seated, please. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Don't worry, the, the length of the sermon is not proportional to the length of the passage. Be at peace. Hope you're all having a good summer. One of the 
traditions in my house in the summers is that I take over the dining room table with a big jigsaw puzzle. I, I love working on a puzzle. And my kids, they come in and they assist, but not to brag, it's mostly me. And I have a, I have a system, okay? I, I do the edge first, no exceptions. Don't get distracted, focus on the edge. Of course, while I'm doing that, I'm, I'm organizing the other pieces as I'm finding them by color and theme, et cetera. The, the thing that I like most about a jigsaw puzzle is that little moment of satisfaction and completion that comes when you connect a piece to the puzzle. I just love this feeling. And if you do a thousand piece puzzle, then you get a thousand little experiences of joy and completion. There's nothing else in my life that gives me a thousand things like that in a, in a weekend, okay? So this has become a very important thing to me. And I was working on a puzzle a few weeks ago on my dining room table. Uh, it's a thousand pieces and I, and I, get, and I get it going and I'm, I'm just in the zone. And I get to that point, we got about 50 pieces left. And this is where it gets fun, right? Because you, you kind of got the main picture and you're, you've been staring at these pieces for hours. So you kind of know where everything goes. You recognize the shapes and there's only a few pieces left. So it's just boom, boom, boom. Just, you know, enjoying those moments, but really reaching towards that moment of like final completion, and joy. And I get to where I've just got two pieces left in the entire puzzle, and I look to the table to grab them. And there's nothing else there. Nothing under the box, nothing on the floor. I'm just missing two pieces. Nightmare scenario. All of my hopes and longings like crash down into despair. And so my family comes in, they see the puzzle that's done, and they're like, Dad, congrats, you did the puzzle. Yeah, thanks. Feels great to complete the puzzle. Like they think that I should be joyful. They're telling me I should be joyful. I think, well, I, I did finish, I should be joyful, but something's missing, the pieces are missing. So that feeling eludes me. Like th this is the Christian life when it comes to joy. People tell us, you should be joyful. We think I should be joyful, but things are missing. And so it eludes us, it's fleeting. And the Bible is full of these calls and reminders of joy. We read in the Psalms that in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. We read that we should clap and sing and rejoice in our worship of God. When, when the angels come and announce the birth of Jesus, they, they announce this good news of glad tidings that will be for great joy for all the people. Joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Like if God is at work in you, then you should have joy. James even says that when we encounter trials, when we struggle, even then, we should count it as joy. In spite of the 400 or so verses on joy, it, it's just hard to muster up, right? Those moments actually tend to be fleeting and, and our emotions give way to the cares, to the pains, to the struggles, to the anxieties, to the boredom, whatever it is. So that the, the emotion that dominates us, that defines us most of the time, we probably wouldn't say is joy. We know we should have it but we don't. And Psalm 68 is a psalm about joy. It is a whole chapter in the Bible about joy. Verse three says, the righteous shall be glad, they shall exult before God, they shall be jubilant with joy. This is actually one of the most exuberant, the most excessively celebratory, the most enthusiastic passages in the whole Bible. It seems to have been written by David on the occasion of the Ark of the Covenant. If, if you're familiar with the story of the Old Testament, many of you probably are not. The, the Ark of the Covenant is this ornate chest that God commanded his people to build. 
And, it, and they were to place inside these tablets of stone that God's hand inscribed itself with the beginnings of the law, the Ten Commandments. And it sort of represented God's presence and truth and love with his people. And this is marking the occasion when David finally brings the ark into the tabernacle in Jerusalem, which is hundreds of years later. So this psalm is an occasion of tremendous thanksgiving and joy, being overwhelmed at the goodness of God for his faithfulness and provision. And we do have moments like that in our lives, right? We have moments where we're overwhelmed by the goodness of God. Maybe it's, maybe it's a wedding, maybe it's the birth of a child, maybe it's a graduation, maybe it's a promotion, maybe it's getting a great grade on an exam, maybe it's a celebratory moment with friends, maybe it's being moved in worship. We, we have these kind of moments, but they're few and far between. They're not every moment of our life. You don't have a thousand of them in a weekend. And so the question becomes, how do we cultivate joy when things are not going so well? How do we cultivate joy when we're experiencing sorrow and loss? How do we cultivate joy when we're stuck in a rut? How do we celebrate joy when we're hurting? We have to learn to talk honestly and hopefully about joy because most of the time, joy for Christians becomes this mask that we pretend to wear so that we don't have to talk about how needy we are. And for churches, it can become this standard that we hold people to that prevents us from having to address helping them with what they're struggling with. And so if you hear anything this morning, I, I hope it's this. Joy is not about being indifferent to your circumstances. Joy is not about having a positive attitude. Joy is not about having the inner strength where things just don't get to you. Joy is about connecting with God in the midst of whatever is going on. If it's anything other than that, then you're a part of a community or you have a personality where you're not really allowed to have a bad day if you're a Christian. And if you've ever been in an environment like that, you'll know it's actually a really oppressive and demeaning thing for a human being. It's not about things not getting to you. It's about connecting with God. And so Psalm 68 for us is an invitation into cultivating openness to joy. It's saying God actually is offering you in the midst of whatever you are going through, joy. And we need this psalm as a tool to open up our hearts so that we might receive it. So I want to talk this morning about three movements of prayer in the midst of the real daily mess of our lives that help us to cultivate openness to the joy of connecting with God, okay? And there are these three things. First, we proclaim who God is. Second, we proclaim what God has done. And third, we proclaim what God will do. Simple as that. Who God is, what he has done, and what he will do. So first, Psalm 68 invites us to proclaim who God is. And, and this is beautiful because what it does is it invites us to fight against the temptation in the midst of struggle to only consider ourselves. And it reorients us towards what is the actual source of joy, which is God himself. And we gotta be really careful here because here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying you shouldn't think about what's going on in your life. You should only think about God. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying in the midst of what is really going on in your life, you have to continue to look to God. In fact, you're invited to because there you can cultivate hope and joy. In verse four, God is praised as the one whose name is the Lord. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this. When you see Lord in your Bible, like it is here, it's, uh, we call it small caps. It's like all capital letters, but a little smaller font. That's not the word that's for Lord. That's actually the name that God identifies 
himself as, when he introduces himself to his people in the Old Testament. He says, I am the Lord. And it's kind of a mysterious word. It would be pronounced something like Yahweh, which is a word you've probably heard. And the translation is weird. It's something like, I am who I am, or I will be who I will be. God is, God is identifying himself as the God who is and the God who invites relationship as he reveals himself to his people. It's like fundamental to God. He's saying, I am, and I am here, and I invite you to connect with me. That's who God is. In, in verses five and six, we get into more of the heart of God, where the psalmist describes him as a father to the fatherless, a protector of widows, the one who settles the solitary in a home. That means he, he's on the lookout for those who are vulnerable and lonely, and he establishes them with a family. He leads out prisoners to prosperity. God is, at his very core, a, a nuclear reactor of compassion for the weak and vulnerable. That's who he is, such that he is drawn towards the weak and the vulnerable. He is drawn towards the weakness and vulnerability in us. It's who he is. It's what he's like. It's what he's all about. So how we practice this? It means that when you are feeling vulnerable and lonely and weak, and you know the places in your life where you're feeling vulnerable and lonely and weak, or when your heart is heavy for other people who are feeling vulnerable and lonely and weak, you open your Bible to Psalm 68 and you proclaim, you remind yourself, who is God? Who is this God? And when you read about this in Psalm 68, about this father to the fatherless and protector of widows, it might make you think, huh, this is kind of his deal. Vulnerable, weak people. This is kind of what he's all about. That in the midst of what I'm going through right now, he actually cares about that. He sees me in that. He loves me in that. He is near to me in that. And we have to remind ourselves, we have to proclaim this again and again. It's the first movement towards cultivating joy because it orients us towards the God who cares about us and who is with us. Second, Psalm 68 invites us to proclaim what God has done. And like other places in the Bible, this psalm recalls the great saving miracles of God. And it, and it talks a lot about the Exodus. A lot of the language in here reminds us of the Exodus, of God's rescuing his people, Israel, from slavery in Egypt. So, you, so you'll see uh, this beautiful language in here about God rescuing his people with his mighty arm, about giving them his word, about going before them and making his life and his home with them. Verse 7 describes that God going out before his people and marching through the wilderness. It, it, it makes our imaginations go back to the story of the Exodus where God leads his people through the wilderness as a pillar of smoke by day and a pillar of fire by night. That he's present with his people, leading them, guiding them to safety. Verse 11 says, the Lord gives the word. Uh, Francis Schaeffer was famous for saying, uh, we have a God and he is not silent. He speaks. And he still speaks. He speaks to us now through his word and through the Holy Spirit. We have a God who has not remained silent in our lives. And, and if you're ever in a position where you feel like God is being silent to you, all you have to do is open up your Bible and read, and he speaks to you. Psalm 68 might be a good place to start. Verse 18 says, You ascended on high, leading a host of captives in your train and receiving gifts among men, even among the rebellious, that the Lord may dwell there. That even among the rebellious, that's you and me, he dwells with us. He makes his life with us. And at the, the culmination of the Exodus story is that 
He instructs the people to make a home for him, a house for him, that's gonna be in the center of their community, and then the glory of his presence goes inside of it. He makes his life with his people. And as people who know the good news of the gospel in Jesus Christ, we have mountains of praise of God to heap on this for what he's done. We know that this same God who created the world and rescued his people sent his son Jesus to be born in the, the humility of a manger. We know that his son dedicated his entire life to the speaking of truth and love and who oriented all his actions around spending time with what kind of people? The vulnerable and the weak, the lonely, the afraid, the hurting. We know that he loved us so much that he didn't leave us in our rebelliousness towards death, but he actually gave up his own life on the cross that we might have forgiveness and mercy. And we know that he rose from the dead so that we might not end in death ourselves, but be raised up to life. And so the, the cultivation of Jordan requires us to rehearse this story, to proclaim what God has done again and again and again. It's one of the things that I really love about being a part of an Anglican church is that we proclaim this stuff all throughout the service. We've already done it a couple of times. As soon as the sermon ends, we're gonna say the Nicene Creed together. You know what we're doing? We're proclaiming what God has done and who he is. And then if you give your attention to the words that Tuck's gonna say as he leads us in communion, we're doing it again. We're just gonna keep, we're to keep saying it. We actually need to keep saying this so that God, by his grace, might expand our imaginations enough that we can bear the weight of what is true, that we have been deemed worthy enough to be loved and saved by the God of the universe. And in the midst of suffering, in the midst of brokenness, in the midst of pain, when you were hurting, you need to be reminded, I'm worth something to someone. I've been loved by someone. I've been seen by someone. And it's the only one that really matters most. In Psalm 51, the psalmist prays what I think is one of the most beautiful and most honest prayers of the Bible. Lord, restore to me the joy of your salvation. I, I, I know what's true, but I need you to make me know what's true. This is the second movement towards cultivating joy in the midst of our brokenness. We proclaim what God has done. Thirdly, Psalm 68 invites us to proclaim what God will do. We've proclaimed who he is and what he's done. Thirdly, what he will do. In Psalm 68, it, it beautifully moves from the, the common, daily, ordinary to the grand and cosmic glory of God's salvation. It starts in verse 19 one of the most humble and yet amazing passages in this whole, this whole chapter. Blessed be the Lord who daily bears us up. Who daily bears us up. Who daily carries us. Who holds me up when I'm too weak. The God who raised Jesus up raises us up with him. This is the connection between the grand redemptive love of God with the day-to-day the -day ordinary of our lives. You have a God who sympathizes with you. You have a God who walks with you. You have a God who in the mundane, ordinary, day-to-day -day moments of your life says, I care about that. That matters to me. I'm with you. It's the, it's the miracle of the daily. That every single day that you wake up, it's because it was God's grace that you survived the day before. Some of you are in seasons of life where you're aware that surviving a day does feel like a miracle. 
It really is. It is a miracle for you to survive the day, for you to endure it, for you to still be standing. And on the day when you depart this life, he'll raise you up then to eternal life. It goes on to say in verse 20 that our God is a God of salvation and to God the Lord belong deliverances from death. That's such a, we call it a humble brag these days. One of the tools in his tool belt, deliverances from death. If you, if you turn your bulletin over to the, to the front page, you'll see one artist's portrayal of the story from the gospel reading that Steve read this morning is of Jesus standing before the tomb of his friend Lazarus who's died with Lazarus' two sisters, Martha and Mary, and him calling Lazarus out of death and back into life. And when you see stories like this in the gospels of Jesus bringing life to death, these are foreshadows, these are foretastes of what God will do to all who are his. That he will not leave you to death, he will raise you up. It's what he does, it's what he will do. You can be certain of it. Then things begin to get even bigger in scale. Verse 21, God will strike the heads of his enemies. And as Lane read, you might've heard a lot of kind of intense uh, language in this psalm about enemies and warfare and destruction. This is how it, this is how it starts. God will arise and scatter his enemies. What do, you, what do we make of this kind of thing? The promise here is that a day is coming when God will put an end to everything evil and everything corrupt and everything unjust. He'll wipe it away. He'll completely defeat it and destroy it. And then finally, as the psalm comes to a close, we see this image of the gathering of all nations in worship. The kingdoms of the earth will sing to God. This is what God will do. God will carry you every day of your life. He will be with you in every moment of your life. And at the end, he will raise you up to eternal life in Jesus. He will undo everything wrong and untrue. He'll wipe away every tear and he'll gather you together in the great congregation with all his people in jubilant worship forever. Hallelujah. That's what God will do. And we activate this kind of prayer in, in the, the kind of scary what if moments of our lives. Because if you are like me, one of the things that causes you a lot of worry and anxiety and fear is uncertainty about the future. There's relational uncertainty, there's financial uncertainty, there's institutional uncertainty. We have to proclaim what we know. I don't know everything that's gonna happen. Here's what I do know. God will carry me. God will raise me up. Everything that's broken in the world that drives me insane, he'll take away. And he'll bring me to eternal life with his people forever. That's what I know. That's what you can be sure of. Even if I had found those last two pieces, which I never found, still wouldn't have been enough. Even if I could have had that, that moment of rubbing my hand across that smooth surface of the puzzle. Mm. I mean, my wife wouldn't be that proud of me. <laughs> At the end of the day, I got to like crumple it all up and put it back in a box and hide it in a shelf again, right? I need something more. I need more than the things in my life all fitting together for me to find joy because they never will. And when one thing fits together, all of a sudden I'd be worried about the next thing that doesn't fit yet. Do you know that feeling? Something's going on. It could be something happy or something sad and, and you catch the eye of someone. It could be a best friend or a spouse or a mother. You, you, you catch the eye of someone and you both smile and you start to laugh. 
You, you may have been uh, a part of this kind of, even in an inappropriate way, like something really serious and somber is going on and you can't stop laughing with your friend. We call it a knowing glance. It, it's that experience of, uh, there's someone else and they see me right now. And they know me right now. And they're connected with me right now. We've got a little secret together. We're inside of something together. Those are really joyful moments of connection. That, that's the kind of connection that God invites you to. It's an unending knowing glance. It's that whatever is going on, whether it is a joyful thing or a horrendous thing, he sees you. He gets it. He understands what you're going through and he's in it with you. Some of you are, are hearing this and you're thinking, yeah, it still sounds nice, but I'm, I'm really hurting. And I just want to implore you to consider calling out to God, looking to him. You actually are invited into joy because God cares about you in the midst of your hurt and he is with you. He is your joy. Let me pray. Father in heaven, we honor you and worship you for who you are, the one who protects the weak and cares for the vulnerable, the one who forgives sins. We praise you for what you've done for us in Christ through his death and his resurrection. We pray that you would give us grace and courage to hope in what you promise, that you will carry us. Lord, I pray for myself and for each one here that in the midst of whatever we are going through, that you would give us grace to connect with you and that we might find joy because with you, nothing is missing. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. To connect with our team or to learn more about our church, visit RedeemerRVA.org. We look forward to knowing you. Go in peace.